The following is a recording of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information, visit gpts.edu. Our scripture from James chapter 1, and we'll read verses 22 through 25. Actually, let's begin with verse 21, and we'll read through verse 27. This is the word of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and to not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. <clears throat> For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately gets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessed word. We thank you, Father, that you have given it to us graciously, mercifully, by your blessed spirit. And we thank you, Father, that you've given us understanding. Now give us understanding again, we pray. Eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive and to do what your word tells us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In this passage of scripture that we've looked at, read, we're going to be examining two types of people that James writes about, the hearers and the doers. Some are hearers of the word of God, but not doers. Some hear the word of God, they comply with its requirements. But each time we encounter God's word, we necessarily will fall into one of these two categories. For those who ignore God's instruction, trouble lies ahead. For those who hear and do, blessings will come to them. For if I, if I can borrow a phrase from Jay Adams, who, who, whom I'm, to whom I'm indebted this morning for some things, the blessing is in the doing. And so we need to be not only hearers, but doers, for therein is the blessing. James gives us an illustration to help us grasp uh, the idea that he's setting forth. And this first situation portrays a, a man who is a hearer of the word, but not a doer of what it teaches, not a doer of what it requires. For if anyone, verse 20, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his. For he observes himself, goes away, 
and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, the mirror that we're speaking of here, obviously, is God's Word. James tells us that as we proceed a little later. The Holy Scriptures. But here's a man who takes a surface look, a glance, if you will, into God's Word and a glance at himself. And like someone who walks up to a mirror and looks briefly into it and takes a quick inventory of himself, sees no major flaws, no broccoli in the teeth or anything like that, makes a few adjustments here and there, smooths down the hair a bit, and thinks, all is fine. In fact, he might leave thinking, you know, I'm a not a bad-looking guy. But, but too often, that's the way people encounter God's Word. God's law shows us the nature of God. It shows us the all-surpassing holiness and excellence of God and, and His holy nature, and it shows us a reflection of ourselves. It shows us our moral flaws. It shows us how far we fall short of God's demands upon us, and it shows us how to change to God's glory. But people take God's Word, which, like a mirror, is intended to show them things that need to be changed about themselves, and instead of just instead of gazing into it and pondering its teachings and then going and doing and changing accordingly, they don't. And sometimes they, of course, they are we too, we must say. If we're not diligent, we might open the cover of our Bibles and take a little casual glance at ourselves and maybe think, well, you know, nothing major here. I'll get around to doing that one of these days. I'll get around to changing that, that little problem one of these days. And we go our merry way, as if morally speaking, we ain't bad looking guys. And that's the person who hears the word but doesn't do what it says. But now in verse 25, we find the other man. We find there the one who hears the word and does what it says. No but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it <clears throat> and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he was. The first man took a casual glance at his immediate appearance, just a superficial observance of appearances. But this man, the one in verse 25, approaches things differently. The word in the original language there, the word that we have translated as looks means, or as it more correctly, looks intently. It's a word we encounter other places in Scripture. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, notice now, things which angels desire to look into. He's writing here, Peter is writing about the Old Testament prophets, those holy men of old who prophesied by God's Spirit of what to them was yet future, the future arrival of Jesus the Messiah and all the great works he was going to do. And in the world, and 
born here as a human infant, living a sinless life, offering himself on the cross and for the forgiveness of sins and bringing redemption to the world. But the Old Testament prophets, they looked into the future. They spoke and wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit, but they couldn't fully grasp the wonder and the wisdom of God in the plan of redemption. We do something similar when we look forward to the new heaven and the new earth, and it's, it's awesome. It's beyond anything we can imagine, and we just wish we could, you know, see a little more of it. One day we will with faith in Christ, but wouldn't it be great to know more about it now? We desire to look into it. We're like the angels who look intently with an intense desire into the things of God. And so it's also a word that's used in John chapter 25, describing the morning of our Savior's resurrection from the dead. And Peter and John heard the good news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb and, and they were excited and they ran to the grave site where his body had lain. And John arrived first at the tomb and it said in chapter 20 verse 5 and he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying there now just imagine how intensely john must have gazed into that empty tomb just stooped over peering back into it and just beholding it all and trying to take it all in and you know take in the wonder of it all that's the same word God, uh, James uses in verse 25. He who looks, who looks intently, who gazes with wonder into the perfect law, the law of liberty. That's the way we're to encounter the Word of God. That's the way that we're to approach God's Word. We're to open it and to gaze intently and intensely into the depths of its teaching, to ponder its wisdom to meditate upon it throughout our day and to allow it to take deep root in the soil of our heart, to allow that beautiful word of God to become deeply rooted and engrafted into our soul. By making this our habit, we learn to gaze into God's word like those angels of heaven, don't we, who are just enraptured and awestruck with the wisdom of, of God. And when you, as it were, stoop to gaze into the mirror of God's word, the perfect law of liberty, James calls it, and scrutinize yourself by what it reveals in, uh, to you of God and of Christ and of yourself, you will leave changed. The word of God impacts the way you live. You have become not simply a hearer of the word. Rather, you adjust your priorities. You realign your thinking. You change your manner of living and become a doer. Not just a casual hearer, but a faithful doer of the works. The works that the perfect, completely sufficient law of God requires of you. And when we surrender to God's word in this way, the Holy Spirit of God obviously has already changed us, but begin, continues changing us. He exposes the moral flaws and the imperfections that God wants gone. 
And the word obeyed by the power of Christ helps one to rid himself of these kinds of sins and making him the kind of person God wants him to be. James explains in verse 25 that this man not only beholds himself in God's word, the perfect law of liberty, the divine mirror, he doesn't simply behold himself and walk away. He looks intently into it and does what? Verse 25, he continues in it. It's changed him and it continues changing him to do what it says, to be a doer of the work. And so with that in mind, let's consider the outcomes of these two possible positions in one of which each of us will find ourselves when we encounter God's word. We'll consider first the blessing or the problems rather of hearing but not doing and then the blessings of hearing and doing. So, and again, I'm getting some assistance from Jay Adams here, R.C.H. Linsky, at least those two. But in verses 22 through 24, the verses that give us the example of the person who takes a casual glance into the mirror of God's Word, but walks away unchanged by it, we find three problematic results in the life of that person. Deception, denial, and danger of judgment. James shows us in verse 22 that if you hear the Word, but do not do what it requires. You deceive yourself. Now, we live in a rather deceived society, don't we? We live in a society that is, as we all know, becoming increasingly anti-intellectual. People follow their feelings. People follow their emotions rather than sound reason informed by and subject to the revealed word of God. Follow your heart. I just feel like it's the right thing to do. I don't see anything wrong with it. My granddaddy straightened me out on that one one day. I still remember. But the heart is deceitful, isn't it? People approach the Word of God casually. Great conviction. They see no great faults in themselves. And they go their merry way thinking, I'm okay. When you really stop and gaze intensely into the Word of God, examining yourself closely in God's mirror, you find that you're not okay. We're all marred by sin. We all need forgiveness of our sin by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we, all need, and we need a new and continually new way of living. Fortunately, God helps us change. That's why God has given us His Word in the first place, so that the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, can first, of course, bring us to redemption, righteousness of Jesus Christ, make us into those pleasing vessels that God delights in beholding and using to His glory. But if you don't carefully examine yourself in God's if you just glance at yourself and casually Walk away thinking, what a good guy am I? With no change in your life, you deceive yourself. Next, the person who observes himself casually in the mirror of God's Word and will not change his manner of living according to 
the teachings of that word is in denial. Again, he gives himself a quick going over in the looking glass of the law and goes away thinking all is fine. You know, people like to live in sin and deny that it is sin. And they all find, they can't find all kinds of ways to justify it. We've heard it. Times have changed. Everybody's doing it. Who's to say you're wrong? You have your standards. I have mine. Who are you to try to force your moral standards on me? We hear those things a lot. And all of these are things people use to justify what they know in their heart to be wrong. Romans chapter 2 tells us that the law of God is in the heart. It's our conscience. And because they think they can excuse themselves, they convince themselves that all is fine and deny the truth about themselves. And God's word says that when someone does this, what is he doing? He's merely suppressing the truth, isn't he? He denies what in his heart he knows is true. And Proverbs 14, 12 tells us, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The person who refuses to take a closer look into the looking glass of God law of liberty and change accordingly places himself thirdly in danger danger of judgment second corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says it all or says of us all that we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad and when you and I and all other people stand before the Lord God in His divine court, the court of personal opinion, the court of fallen human reason, the court of self-justification, and the court all these things which we too often use to judge things in this life, they won't stand up to God's scrutiny. And so those are some of the problems of hearing without doing. But what if you do hear the word of God and you do gaze intensely at, into it and at yourself and do what it says? Well, what then? You'll enjoy blessings. The blessings that come of hearing and doing. Now, among these blessings... <clears throat> is guidance from God. We all desire that. We all desire guidance from God in those life-affecting decisions with which we're constantly faced. We face all kinds of financial decisions and job-related decisions and marriage decisions and decisions about your children. There are a lot of those you're going to be making, and some of you already are. Health choices, seminary choices, career choices, your life's calling. These are small matters. None of them. These affect every area of your life, your relationship with others, your relationship with God. They're weighty matters. They're big matters. Well, how do you get the guidance you must have when faced with decisions? How do you get the guidance you must have in order to know the right way to proceed well you do that from gazing intently into the word of god 
You study God's Word closely like a road map and you chart the course of your life accordingly. And there is no area of life to which the Bible speak with authority. And so, I mean, it doesn't give us instructions on how to change our oil, but we can learn how to do it in a God-honoring way. And so even the seemingly mundane things of life are important in God's world. Everything you do, no matter how great or how small it may be, is important and is addressed by God's Word in the doing or the not doing and the how-tos and so forth, everything. And so next, the person who looks uh, intently into the perfect law of liberty and obeys what it requires can expect answers from God. And this is closely, closely related to what we said, and I don't want to be redundant, but we just consider that uh, in the light of the fact that there are a lot of people and sources out there all clamoring and all trying to tell us the answers to our problems and how to fix everything. Two of the most dangerous, scariest places around are when you walk into, you know, bookstores, and we all love bookstores, you know, but you've got those sections and they're called religion. Oh, dangerous, dangerous. And Self-help, really dangerous. Uh, You don't have to turn to the latest unregenerate, messed up expert, so-called, to find answers to the issues of life. The answers are in the book. God's book. The only book that's absolutely a book that is propositional objective in its meaning it is unchanging it is always reliable and it speaks to life the only source that truly is sufficient because it alone is the revealed mind of the almighty god and that's how james can call it the perfect law of god complete nothing lacking it's all there it's sufficient And when we have God's word on a matter, why would we turn to the opinions of fallen men anyway? Next, one of the blessings of hearing and doing is liberty. Freedom that comes from love of God, love of his law, obedience to him. That's why James can call it the law of liberty. The world looks at the law of God and they think it's 10 chains that are meant to bind you and keep you from having a good time. But no, it's what gives us freedom. It's what protects us from dangerous things. It's what keeps us from ruining our lives. Sin and disobedience, living our lives as we please <clears throat> with little regard to, for God, that way leads to a prison. People think that's the way of freedom, but it's not. On the other hand, obedience brings liberty. People think that they're enjoying freedom when they go their own way and do their own thing and disregard God's word. 
but that kind of life eventually ends to comes to ruin. You might have a great time for, for a while, or as a fellow up in Virginia used to say it, where I used to live, a big-eyed time. You might have a big-eyed time for a while, but what have you gained when the doctor tells you you have a sexually transmitted disease and might kill you? What have you gained when you, um, how much freedom have young people gained? We don't see any really young people here today, but how much, if you were here, if they were here, I would say, how much freedom have you gained, young people, when you engage in unbiblical sexual relations? And, you know, you're holding a newborn baby in your arm. It's always a blessing. A new life from God is always a blessing. But now here you are with the sad reality that college, that great career and everything you, you wanted, you may or may not ever have those. And the bum that helped you bring the, help produce this baby, he's run off somewhere trying to get, trying to get away. There you are. Well, you got a blessing from God in the baby, but you lost a lot of freedom, didn't you? That you might have had otherwise. But God can take those kinds of situations, as we know, and turn them into the greatest blessings we've ever had in life. Don't mean to paint a too bad of a picture because God takes the bad things and turns them into great things. But you get the idea. Following the law of God can keep us these kinds of heartbreaking situations. And last, as we close, one of the blessings of hearing and doing is happiness from God. James declares in verse 25, speaking of the person who not only hears God's word, but also does it, this one will be blessed. The word means happy in what he does. Hearing the word of God is always good, but doing it is the way to blessing. So I'm going to close by reading a summary from Dr. Adams again. And I'm going to change, take a little liberty to change some things slightly. But many people want to be happy without the doing of God's Word. They make doing depend on the right feeling. But happiness is not the goal. Oh, wow. If we could really, really learn that. Happiness is not the goal. Godly change in your life is the goal. And happiness is the byproduct of that change. Some want to wait on the courage, the strength, or the right feeling before they begin to change. But this is a part of that self-deception about which James warns in verse 23. The blessing comes from the change, but it's found only in the doing. It's often hard to begin, but once one starts on the biblical path, he will find it easier as he proceeds. He discovers that the happiness is in the doing. Hearing what the Word of God is good, but doing it, that's where the blessing comes. And so whenever we examine ourselves in God's mirror, take a closer look at ourselves. 
take a closer look at God's law of liberty and a closer look at, at ourselves and change accordingly. And that is the way to liberty. That's the way freedom. That obedience to God is freedom from men. Obedience to God is freedom from tragedy. We'll have it. We'll have problems. We'll have troubles. But we're free if we obey the law of God. We're free to serve Him in the midst of them. And we're free to please Him in the way we encounter them and in the outcome of them. So let's put into practice what we discover and be hearers of the word and doers as, as well. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who impresses it upon our hearts. Thank you for your blessed Son, our King Jesus. Lord, we pray that what we've encountered here today will indeed make us and help us to be doers of the word, followers of the law of liberty, more faithful to our Lord Jesus, used to do his will and his works. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information, please visit gpts.edu.